Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Welcome. It is Monday. It is Labor Day. It is traditionally considered the end of summer. The start of fall, even though officially fall don't start for a while yet. School starts tomorrow for some people who haven't started already. Thank you for joining us on this warm, if you're up in the Midwest, hot holiday. Hope everybody's doing barbecues and just having a relaxing day with their family. Today's show, we're going to talk about One Plague, One Life, Unbroken Resilience. We're also going to talk about the up-and-coming week of 9-11 and what, as you follow our shows and know that we always do a special heartfelt week of shows dedicated to the individuals whose lives were affected. And not just the ones from New York, but everybody in the world that was affected by the event. From from everything that was going on to the soldiers that dropped everything and listed that day to the kids learning about it at school. So we have a fun-filled week ahead. But first, my passion project that I've been spent months putting together and working towards this goal for years. And due to the privilege of being able to be part of the Battle Within organization and the dedication ceremony on Memorial Day in Buffalo, New York, really highlighted and brought awareness to a situation that is not talked about. (coughs) Or when it is talked about, it is talked about in a third-person type of view. And that is the mental health of first responders police officers, fire departments, military members, current and former. No, since I can remember growing up, they always talked about suicides in boot camp. But really, what has been done to change that? Not, they've changed a little bit of the programming, but statistic-wise, it hasn't changed. And we talk about the mental health and mandated therapies, mandated this for law enforcement and first responders when they're dealing with situations. But is it really working? Is it really helping? Not really. So going on. 
So our goal is to work with these individuals and help them with transitioning, help them with alternative outlets. And you're going to hear my son in the background. He has been just a nutball since yesterday. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about me first. I started this whole path of mental health and learning all I could learn and training and doing what I needed to do when I got out of the military. I went from no backup plans, nothing. My goal my whole life was to be a career military. And there were other stars aligned and God had other plans for me, so it didn't work out that way. So I had no plan B. Next came along my kids. And I was already struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression, struggling with um, PTSD, working with therapists, and I say many because we had a, I had a hard time with them because none of them understood what I was going through. And then I found one that guided me into this world. And when my kids were diagnosed with autism, was where I really started that rabbit hole of trying to better myself, fix myself, and figure out how to help them at the same time. And as I started learning what I was learning and dealing with them, I learned the transition of life is so parallel. And by that I mean how we think, how we do things. There's so many things in life that are so parallel. It's like transitioning from being incarcerated as a as very similar to coming out of the military because you are confined into a little environment. You're taught, told when to eat, when to sleep, when to do what you need to do, how to do what you need to do. It's the same thing as being in jail. And when you get out, you have the whole world open to you and you don't know what to do with it. You know, for many individuals, especially when you start out young in the military, having to figure out clothes is a big challenge. Simple things that, you know, you know what you like. You, You know, do you like jeans? Do you like sweats? You know, hairstyles, hair color. All that stuff isn't an option when you're in the military. You have to, you wear a uniform 90% of the day. Your hair has to be done a certain way if you're a male and a female. Makeup has to be done a certain way if you're a female or not be allowed to wear it while you're in uniform. So all these choices in life, that everybody takes for granted, you know, write a passage, aren't available other than for limited time. And I didn't realize all this till I got out. And I had to go shopping for clothes. I didn't have a lot. And I had to figure out what I liked. All these little pieces. And it's the same when you're incarcerated. You know, you're in jail for months to years on end. You're wearing the same thing. You're in isolation. You're not out in the world. You're not dealing with society. And when you come out, the hardest part is that life outside has kept going. But because you weren't involved in that, To you, it's still that time period that many years ago. 
And that's the hardest part is understanding and being able to accept, you know, the transition of life and trying to fit yourself into a world that has been continued going on and on and on. Hey, Mary, it's funny. It's kind of, I'm up in the northeast Georgia mountains. I ran it. I ran into one of my old buddies the other day. He's a veteran. He doesn't really do anything except he does. He has a little woodworking shop in this building. But uh, I asked him if he wanted to come on and listen to our international call. It broadcasts in 92 countries and 60-plus languages. <laughs> he started laughing. He pulled out his phone, Mary. He has one of those flip phones. Mm-hmm. If you, if you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. He said he's only had it for about six months. So I'm thinking, okay, we live in the northeast Georgia mountains. We got 911 in 2019. Think about that now. So it's almost like we're talking about we've heard the little term being put in a box. I wouldn't normally use that in the term when I'm talking about our veterans who we love very, very much. But if you've lived that lifestyle and you've been in the military like he has for 30 years, he said, well, we had dial-up when he went into the military. Now he came out with a flip phone. He don't know what an iPhone is. How can a full-grown man not know what an iPhone is? He's been sheltered by the military all those years, two Purple Hearts, and he don't have an iPhone. It's unheard of nowadays. So, Mary, you go ahead and continue on, but I can definitely relate. They call us country not just because of our geographical location, but because some of the old ways that we grew up with, we still do. And just an announcement for you guys, what worked in the Old Testament no longer works in the New Testament. We're going to have to change our minds, change our spirits, and we're going to have to Stop driving by vets and standing on the corner says, I'll work for food like they're invisible. They did what they're supposed to do. And us as, I don't want to say religious people, us Christian people of God have to go back and do what is right by our veterans who laid their life down and left their families. And now it's time for us to fill the gap for them and stop playing like they're invisible. Back to you, Mary. No, the thing is, and the misconception is, is that what old school doesn't work today. But what they're finding out, and this is so cool, and this is what I based this whole business on, not just a business, but a lifestyle. And what we're finding out is what was old worked so much better when it comes to kids, when it comes to life as opposed to the new treatment. Therapy is a fairly new treatment. It doesn't work. Then they're talking about issues. Get them out there, but it doesn't help you find the cause. You know, pain relief, for instance. We have all these drugs that are supposed to help, but all it does is just numb the pain. Before they label PDS, go ahead. Before they before they put a label on it, Mary, my uncle's drug was called alcohol. We didn't call him and had a disease. He was a family alcoholic, and that's the way that he dealt with his pain. My other friend down in Atlanta, they said he was a air uh, airborne, and he jumped out of planes for 26 years and had. Uh, dislocated uh, disc in his back and all that kind of stuff. Well, they just put a Band-Aid over it. They gave him Oxycontins. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, is yeah. they're only temporary fixes. You know, yoga, meditation, frequency music that has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, I had the privilege of meeting a gentleman out in Buffalo by the name of Van Taylor, who's a world-renowned musician, phenomenal man. And he was helping me with 
because um, I'm a big fan of binaural beats and frequency music. They work. And there's actual ancient um, India um, temples, what they're called, not churches, temples, where actual pillars that hold this building up. When the, the monks would do their chants and their stuff, you would, they could actually twist these pillars and it would resonate in the temple to be different vibrations. Well, these temples weren't made yesterday. These were built hundreds of years ago. Different frequencies of music or tones which is what our base, our musical scale on, actually resonate in the body and help relieve pain, help regenerate cells. Among many other things that it does, it helps slow in your processing of your brain. And one of the off, one of the things that we do is we use that frequency music. And over that music, we have different personalized meditations that we, you will listen to that will help open up your mind, slow your mind down, regenerate, do what it needs it to do to help you that are struggling. And not only do I use it on myself, but I've created it for my kids. And I use it on my kids to help them go to sleep, help them slow down. It helps with the rewiring of your brain. And the cool part is, is that with your brain now, they have actually found out that hey Mary. down at your brain. Hi, Derek. That on your brain. How are you? Now. Good. How about you? Good. So down at the base of your brain, down by your neck and your spine is your brain stem. And you have all these little spider webs that they thought once they were there, they were there. If they get injured or damaged, they're done. What they're finding out is all these little nerve endings and all this stuff actually regenerates and repairs itself which is the concept of rewiring your brain. So it's like basically one pathway is damaged while we retrain your brain to go a different pathway. It's like going down to the road and the fork in the road, you have a dead end. Instead of turning around, we find that we make a new road. These are one of the many different things that are available to be able to help with where you're struggling. And the, the cool part is, and the phenomenal to me, is that we only know a fraction of what our brains can do. And every day we're learning more and more. But a lot of the old theories that we were running on before we had all this technology to prove it. They're finding this true. From the ancient times forward. You know, for instance, Bruce Lipton turned around and he... Addiction, you know, AAs, things like that. A lot of them don't work. One has a lot to do with self-talk. But the effect of self-talk on an individual is astronomically more important than we've ever realized before. You know, the theory was is that you're basically programming your brain. What we've come to realize and found out that Bruce Lipton ran with in the 50s was that every single cell in your body 
those are millions and billions of cells, are actually a blueprint of everything in your body. So it's not just your brain controlling everything. It's every cell in your whole body. So when you sit there and you say, I'm an addict, I have a disability, I am this, I am that, I am that, you're programming not only your brain and your subconscious, but you're actually programming every single cell in your body. So it takes it that much harder to deprogram something you've already programmed. And that's why the words you use are so important. Go ahead. Okay. Um, how do you retrain or reorganize your brain? Like if in the morning when you wake up, you have the sense of being depressed or just, you know, it just kind of takes over you and, uh, you know, you have to talk yourself out of it. And, uh, but it's hard, you know, when you're, you're thinking of what's going to happen, you know, just nothing specific, but the in the general sense that, you know, it is hard for you to get to the point where, you know, you can start the day and not feeling like, you know, uh, the panicking attack or, you know, the panic uh feeling that, you know, it takes over you. And then, you know, how do you cope with that? What do you do and how, how can you retrain your your brain to say, you know, when I wake up, I should be happy because it's a new day. It's another day that, you know, God has given you to do and not being, you know, not feeling that way. Like, you know, this is the end, you the know, sense or, of or what's coming up. So the first thing is, is you're going to keep feeling this way until you figure out why you're feeling that way. And the misconception as people, we do this from, with our kids. We do this from the, we're, it's an anomaly that we have been taught from birth to ask ourselves, why do we feel this way? Now ask yourself this, when you ask yourself why, do you ever get the response you want? Do you ever get an answer? No, because you no, have no idea. I feel like because yeah, I feel like this is just you know I couldn't ask myself why why do I feel this way you know what what is it I I can't find the answer as to what is it that's making me feel that way but it just it just does you know I don't know if it's from that, you know when I was a childhood you know and all the way through that, you know, it takes me a bit to be able to clear that, you know, off of my my brains, you know, to be able to be, you know, make it to the point where I feel good and that, you know, I can continue, you know, doing what I need to do instead of feeling, you know, depressed. Right. Now, the misconception is in society now is that if we feel sad or depressed, there's something wrong with us. That's the first step, to understand that we have, our emotions are only there to protect and guide us. They are all there for a reason. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be depressed. That is our stepping stone to figure out why. Now, why is only an emotional response, which is why you can never get the answer. So the first step is asking what, is understanding, okay, I feel depressed, I feel sad, I feel anxious, I feel this. Now sit mm-hmm. down and um, ask yourself what. What caused this feeling? What is going on in my brain? What am I thinking? And when you ask yourself what, it becomes your logical part of your brain, the reasoning, the subconscious. Sometimes you can't come up with it on your own, and that's where you work with people that know how to do this through NLP, through hypnotherapy, through other means to help unlock that subconscious. Mary, that's what I was thinking. Well, we know that faith comes from hearing. And whatever you are saying to you is like food for the soul. 
But when you've been in the military again, Mary, all these years and every single day that you get up, someone tells you what you're going to do all day long from breakfast to sundown to exercise time. So when you get out of the military and you're a full-grown woman, you're a full-grown man. Oh, I forgot to tell you, we're equal in essence. We're just different in function. We have to be able to figure out what we need to do to help because if one could bless oneself, we wouldn't need each other. If I was a veteran, which I'm not, I could just wave a wand over myself and stand in the mirror and say, uh, I can make the world a better place, and woo, country boy, you can do it, rise up. But how does one do what one has not been taught mary you a teacher you are educator but you can't do what no one has ever showed you how to do ain't it funny here comes the curveball mary ain't it funny how you can save the world save your platoon fight for the country and now it's time for you to fight for you wow what am i going to do back to you mary That's the hardest part, is trying to figure out. All right, so when you first get out, you have that sense of, you get a break, you get a vacation. But then it comes into the mundane of, now what do I do? We have transition programs, but most of these transition programs are designed for people who are planning to get out. You know, the hardest part for me and the most headache for my husband was me, simple concept of learning how to pay a bill. <laughs> because we didn't have that option, or we had that option, where everything was auto-paid. Or it was taken care of for us, depending on where we lived. We lived on base or off base. So remembering, like I lived in a small town, so that wasn't an option where I lived. You actually physically had to either go to the place, down the road, to pay the bill, or, you know, write a checkout. You know, simple things like that that, you know, y'all learn when you're 18, 19, 20 years old and you move into your first place. We never learned for the most part because we didn't have to deal with it. And you forget. And this is where keeping planners and things and talking to your utility companies and letting them know Sometimes I forget you need to remind me. And thankfully, with I've been blessed enough to with where I get phone calls or I get warnings to remind me, or you get your power shut off. But that's where there's support groups out there to help you. But also, there are different organizations to help guide you in figuring out what's your next step in life. Trying to figure out what that next job's going to be, if you can even work. The resources that you need. Mary, you, know, you talked about mentioning. Go ahead. You just briefly mentioned, you know, certain things when you said auto pay, and I started thinking, wow, that's what country boy needs. And I'm not military, and I've been around, but I don't like to pay bills and don't even remember when they're due. But, Mary, the other week when we kind of had just a little blib coming in on veterans and then somebody threw a curveball, I think it was me, put diabetes into the conversation or having to watch your, well, here comes a dangerous word, watch this, watch this, having to watch your diet. <laughs> so we just mentioned that, you know, speaking to your local grocery store, to your butcher, to the people that where you shop at, and people around that can assist you in the areas of your life that you really need. Mary, you mentioned yoga. You mentioned some other things. But what does one do as a veteran? I'm going to throw yourself way out to the country now, way up in the mountains where your relatives are not around. What does one do, Mary, to reach out for help nowadays when you don't know what to eat and didn't know the medicine you was taking for 20 years ain't working no more, et cetera, et cetera? I'll stop right there. Well, first of all, most veterans don't get on meds until they get out. 
because you're not allowed to be on medication to be in the service unless you're wow. one of them new people. Didn't think about that. So it ain't like you get high and go to work in the morning. <laughs> I pop a Oxycontin and say, I'll be okay, country boy, I got your back. I'm making jokes, but yeah, it, no. these are things that, Mary, nobody ever really thinks about. And if you have not been there, done that, and Nike's just yelling in your ear, just do it, just do it. But you're trying to do something that you have not had to do in your life, which is survive as a full-grown man, a full-grown woman, as a soldier that's no longer in the military that has somebody that cares about your welfare. Correct. And that's the hardest part for us is we have all, especially ones who start young, and spend most of their life in the military, is that you know that person in that uniform has your back. You are part of something bigger than yourself. And it is a, it's like a fraternity, is the easiest way to explain it. You belong to a group. And the hardest part is when you get out, you don't belong to that anymore. So you lose your sense of identity of who you are. And you get labeled as a veteran. I'm afraid. We are there for you when you want us there. Election years. Most people talk about us in the third person like we are the redheaded stepchilds of the world. That we're the problems that y'all need to solve and fix. And the problem is, is that most people with well intentions have no idea what the hell they're doing. Or they're doing it for self-indulgent reasons to make themselves look better. And feel better Uh-oh, because Mary. it's their new pet project. Oh, Mary. I'm going to have to play my spiritual card right here, right in the middle of this chaos. When you're in the military, who do you belong to? You belong to the government. You belong to who did you belong to? Now that you're no longer, and please understand, it's by human nature. I was reading in that little book. And I think it said it is not good. It is not good. When God said it was good, thought it was good, it was good. It is not good for man to be alone. You was part of something when you was in the military, but now you came out of the military and we want to ask you who you with here's a little insight right here a lot of people that don't have that spiritual insight never make it out of the military a lot of people what do you say when you don't know what to pray what do you say when you've been praying the same prayer over and over again, but you're not getting any results? Did God get amnesia or is he not listening to you? Okay. First of all, the misconception is we belong to the government. We don't belong to the government. We are owned by the government. You are a property of the U.S. government. Whoa. You are a thing, not a person. Which is why you're called a soldier or a warrior. I never knew that, Mary. I which thought that was a cute name. Which that they gave you guys instead of superheroes. Right. By civilian world, yeah. But we are disposable by the government as tools to help them with whatever they have they need. Which is why when you do something dumb on leave and you get hurt, you can get in huge trouble for that because you're damaging the property of the federal government. Wow. So you can't just go out and smash up the bar and have a few drinks with Country Boy and think it's going to be okay. Even if you think nobody's watching, somebody's always watching. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a misconception. Wow. You know, that's why you have so many regulations. You have what you can and can't do. Why you, 
you can't just take leave and disappear. You have to get permission to go. You can only travel over certain periods or so many miles or so much distance. You know, you have to be back at a certain time. You know, all that stuff, it is like basically like you're a kid and you have a curfew. The government's your parent. They control what you do. Now I understand it wasn't just me not being flat-footed that I didn't like about the military. I'm not making fun, but, you know, life is not one size fits all, be all you can be. When I first heard that, Mary, my heart jumped up and turned to some saw in my chest. Be all you can be. I think, wow, that's what I want to do. I want to go to the Army. Wow. Never did. But I was inspired. Well, and we don't look at it that way, though. We look at it as, you know, out of the whole population, the millions and millions of people in the United States. And really, for the most part, people that I give a lot of credit to are the soldiers that sign up as illegal. And we get their citizenship through the military. Because when we're done in boot camp and we're done training, they have 10 times more of a background check and things they got to do before they can even get accepted in. But two, when we're done for the day, they sit down and they have to go to another class to learn how to become a U.S. citizen. So they have learn to work how to harder to achieve the same thing. And they got to learn what, what it is. And they don't fully get their citizenship until they finish their time in the military. But Mary, now, I'm going to tell you, I just stated. Go ahead. No, I was just thinking. I'm thinking out loud. I'm sitting up here in the top of the trees at Alpine Crest Resort in the mountains. Just thinking back now, my grandmother had seven sons, and all of them went to the military. We had every branch in our family, including a Navy SEAL in our family. They all went to the war and came home alive and all this kind of stuff. But, again, I'm looking back at my uncles now and seeing what kind of lifestyle that they had after the military life. I wouldn't belittle any of them because to them, in my eyes, all of them were heroes and had special talents and things that no one else in the world could do like them. Oh, cliff note for you guys. You was designed in his own image, and you are a personal representative of the one that you say created you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. We're here to help. We did not forget about you. No soldier left behind. You're stuck on medications and not doing you no good. We're going to get you off of medications. You said you still have something in the world that you have to offer simply because you showed up. We got 12,000 online careers that you can do from your wheelchair and do them from home. We're here to help. Country boys not being that little demon's advocate over here throwing up all of these questions about why this didn't happen, why that's not happened. What I want to do for everybody that's listening is get you to understand that Dr. King was one of my mentors. He's a country boy, and I'll make this real short. I've been around the world more than one time, and I might have to go again, and I've seen all different types of cults. I've seen all different types of evil, good versus evil, good versus evil. But what I want to know, country boy, is one of them so-called religious, ooh, I'm stepping on dangerous landmines right now, one of them so-called religious people going to start standing up and say it ain't right, it ain't just, and enough is enough is enough. We're going to help our veterans, we're going to love on our veterans, and we're going to give them what they need because they gave us everything that they have to make sure that we can have what we need. Thank you, Mary. You know, the thing is, is that we don't always know what we need. So how do you help us if we don't even know what we need? Is that a question? For starters. 
It's a question, but, you know, that's the thing is that, and that's it, you know. But the thing is, is that when you look at what we do, and yes, we are property of the government, but only 10% of the population makes it, even qualifies to even try out to make it to the military. Out of that 10 that 10% of the population, only 5% make it through boot camp. That's just the first step is boot camp. Out of that 5%, only 3% actually finish boot camp, finish their MOS, which is their skills training, and become an actual soldier. So really, you're an elite force of just a small population. That is why they do what they do. It's a calling. It's like becoming... David, let Dad help you. Thank you. But a lot of us, you know, the biggest, most important step is to not stop moving. You know, a lot of us, when we get out, we struggle with exercise. We lose our motivation because we don't have, we're not forced to do it anymore. And I'm guilty of this. I'll admit. Is that, you know, and that's where we need to start, is start from the basics and understand, okay, you know, we need someone and there are so many organizations, and this is where the Hope Collection is going to is an option available, is that we are linking all these credible organizations that are independently ran to help you where you're struggling. There will be links for you to sign up. There is a phenomenal organization that... Um, I am working with currently that is training individuals by the by veterans for veterans, but you don't have to be a veteran to do that, to teach you how to work with veterans with PTSD. It's called Reboot, and it's a free courses that you can take to help work with first responders, help work with veterans and service members. And get a certification to understand. It's called Say that name again, Mary. Say that name again, Mary. I was taking notes, Mary. Oh, it's called Reboot. Um, I'm going through the courses starting next week. And so once I go through all of it to embed it all, the links will be available on all of our social media pages and everything else for individuals. But that's the one thing the Hope Collection we are working on is having these forces, people who work in the financial department to help you build your credit up so you can get that loan for that house. And these are credible individuals who are working with you to help you not people who are just trying to pad their dollar and make themselves feel better and put you in a house that you can't afford if something happens. Matter of fact, Mary, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a guest on Mary very, very soon. His name is Tony, who's a ex-miller, ex-veteran, who also suffered with PDS, who's now working with a couple of veterans here in Atlanta that I know personally to assist them in getting housing. For example, one of friends lost a roommate and had to live in the Days Inn for two months. And here, here's where the danger comes in, you guys. I'm not just talking to the veterans, but people that may not know. Y'all heard me say earlier that it is not, it is not good for man slash woman to be alone, equal in essence, different in function. But isolation is what's driving a lot of our veterans that come home from the war into something they call suicide. I say that lightly. But we have to be able to offer resources. Just a cliff note for you again. Without faith, 
It's impossible to please the person that you see created you. But what you didn't know is the Hope Foundation is the great-great-granddaddy slash Mother Nature for faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped, hoped, hoped for. So we're sitting over here as we're talking, hoping for a better life for you. We're hoping, hoping that we can come together, every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl to help make for a better world. I told you earlier that it's a blessing to be a blessing, but we can't bless ourselves, so we got to reach out and help the ones that cannot help themselves. Mary says resources, resources, resources. Last part, Mary. I have to remind people that we're in the information stage and knowledge. Yeah, knowledge is power. We want to empower you because we can't keep letting you sit around and think about uh, forgive them, Father, because they know not what they do. Ignorance is a choice nowadays. Life, he gave us life, and what we do with his life is nothing but a series of choices that we make. We want to give you a whole smorgasbord of choices. That's why we serve up hope for lunch. It tastes great and it's spiritually fulfilling, but we want to fill you up in those areas that you find yourself being very empty and very dry in. We're in a dry season, you guys, but we're going to help you get that water so that you'll never thirst. Back to you, Mary. You know, the misconception is with uh, with a lot of veterans is that isolation is bad. It's a lot of us need that period of time to self-isolate because we're, you know, that's the one thing you got to remember is that when you go home, you go home. You have nobody around you or you can go and do something or you're just going to break. We don't get that option. There are always, always, somebody with you, around you, near you. This is why a lot of us like to take walks in the woods. It's just quiet. We're alone. When you go through boot camp, you can't even go to the bathroom by yourself. You have a battle buddy. <laughs> they go with you everywhere. That's too crazy. I knew you was going to go there. I say, okay, isolation is not so good, but it's okay to go there in the quiet, serene places like I told you I am now. Everybody needs that peaceful, quiet time so you can have that inner conversation with yourself. It's okay to go there. Just don't go there and stay there. Too much of anything good is not good for you. Correct. And the biggest issue we struggle with, and I still struggle with this, is we are taught and trained and to always be on a hyper state of aware. We can see all around. It's kind of like a mom with the eyes in the back of their head. You know, your mom knows when you're doing something wrong, even if she's not in the same room as you. You think she's got x-ray vision? We're trained to do that. Differences is and also, you know, you learn to shut it off. That's we also can't. why we know that's also why we know that our veterans are still can be helped, can be assist. Because again, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We want you to help you look inside of yourself, inside of your mind, and ask yourself, what do you need help in what areas? Mary said resources. They said it's not what you know. It's who you know. And we know some of everybody in every division, and we know what's not working. The only time I've never called anybody stupid, Mary, but I said if you want to continue getting what you've been getting, continue to do what you've been doing, we can't 
keep standing idle by thinking the things that we see go wrong with the veterans are going to just boot up and change themselves. That's why we need the help of all the people. When I said I'm calling everybody out, veterans and non-veterans, we need your help. You know, and that's the one part of um, One Flag, One Life, Unbroken Resilience that I have worked on for so long is to teach you how to shut it off, how to be able to just relax and not be on that state of hyper-awareness. So that you can just relax and reset yourself. Our biggest part of our issue is the fact that we can't shut off everything around us. You know, background noise, um, people walking around. You know, our triggers are only triggers because we allow them to be triggers. By that, I mean things that set us off. Someone walking behind you, certain sounds, certain smells, certain noises. And being able to overcome those triggers and understand what, why they cause, why they are the what they are, is the first piece to being able to not let them bother us as much and set us off. You know, for example, fireworks, smell of smoke, certain sounds. For some individuals, it's going under bridges. I know some veterans, soldiers that will literally drive miles and miles out of their way to avoid going under a single bridge. Or they will stop their car and walk and look around that bridge before they go under it. The things that have happened. And starting next Friday, at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we are going to launch a new show called Unbroken Resilience. It is different meditations, different things to help you with what you're struggling with. We're also going to highlight organizations and, and launch another version of Hometown Heroes on Fridays for veterans by veterans, highlighting things that matter to you. That's all coming up next week with our 9-11 special series coming up. That's awesome. Some of the things that we're going to be bringing to the show will allow a lot of people out there to give themselves what I call a mental zip code change. That's where we have the opportunity to redo some things, readjust, reevaluate. You'll be able to re-energize yourself, and you'll be able to be in position to receive your reward because a lot of them are still struggling. A lot of our veterans are still fighting from a war that they say that was already won. We're going to show you how to fight from victory now, not fight for victory, because the victory, the battle has been won. We're glad to have you home alive. We're glad to have the spirit that you put on the battlefield to make it back to your loved ones if you have loved ones. But if not, we just want to administer to you, to you. They say the greatest medicine all, since we talked about Oxycontins and all these other things, I found out that love is still the greatest gift slash medicine of all times, and it has never, ever, ever, ever been defeated. But 
My love says, what can I do for you? So that's what the Hope Foundation, we want to help people so that they can help other people. My acronym for HOPE is HELP ONE PERSON EVERY DAY. Yeah, each one teach one kind of things. And that's why we have to be able to say that we have no hidden agendas over here at the HOPE Foundation. We have no hidden motives on what we do. We have every intention on blessing you, 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 and your family in the areas of your life that you really need blessing in. But you got to come on and stand up and speak out. You do not have to scream and you do not have to shout, but you have to courageously stand up and speak out. That's it. But at the same time, we are going to weed out the imposters, the individuals that are doing it, A, don't know what they're doing, which is the whole concept of Hometown Heroes, is to show you organizations, individuals that are here to help you that know what they're doing and are doing it for the right reasons as opposed to ones that are doing it just to make themselves look good. Or padding their, you know, their belts or better careers or whatever they're doing. Because the self-help industry is the hugest industry right now. And it, a lot of people take courses that are two hours long and do it for the money that don't have any idea what they're doing and how to do it. So we will only endorse and back up individuals who know what they're doing and are doing it for the right reasons. Well, Mary, right there would be a great time before we run out of time to give a quick shout out to one of our business partners, Lynn Kane. You thought he was Tom Cruise. He's top gun. He's the world's best fighter pilot. Oh, and last year he won International Humanitarian Man of the Year Award, and I think he's only been nominated how many times? Five or six times, Mary, for a Nobel Peace Prize. The man has been our partner since we've been who we are, the Hope Foundation, but he's only been doing Golden Rule Society. Dot org. Yeah, a not-for-profit organization is only 51 years, only 51 it's, years that Lynn has been doing what he's doing. And, Mary, last before we go, we're talking about fighting. Give them just a little quick smidge, Mary, on how we're fighting bullying with kindness, if you don't mind, Mary, if we got any time left. <coughs> we have time. I have control of that, remember? <coughs> <laughs> Um, yes, ma'am. So the, <laughs> the Kindness Club is an organization for schools, communities, and what it does is not only to get you out of your box and be able to help you teach children from the beginnings to do simple acts of kindness for each other, but we go one step farther. And what we do is we teach you how on the mental aspect of life. Because most bullies, you can, we have been through this process of, oh, let's tattle and tell someone about it. You know, we punish the bullies. But we never find out what's going on with the bullies and what causes the issues to begin with. We go to the root cause. We take those bullies and talk to them. We find out and uplift them. We go to the source of the problem and fix the solve problem. And the best part is, is the program's already designed. The pro- program is free. So it literally doesn't cost you anything. But the award, award, rewards are instrumental. And that's 
and that's one thing we are going to be talking about next week is kindness box, which was co-created by. Now she's a nine-year-old, but she created this organ this this when she was seven years old. With the help of Lincoln. We're going to use the children to confide the wise. We're going to rise up, you guys. Last one before we go, Mary. We just want, again, to extend the prayer shout. We're not asking everybody to take a moment of silence. We're telling you to pray without ceasing. We're not just your brothers and your sisters because we are all God's children. And we're about our Father's business. That's why we're all coming together to help make for a better world. But I have to remind you again, it's hard to do what you have not been taught. And we have to keep practicing. Keeping in mind, practice doesn't mean you get perfect. Practice means you only get better and better whatever it is you you do. But we want you to practice doing unto others before. I said before, before they do unto you. Because when you give some love, some hope, and some kindness away, eventually it will come right back to you, even if it does not come from the person that you really gave it to. And I still hear the children singing in the background. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing. That's it. So, join us back here. Oh, crap, I forgot what time it was. <laughs> you know something, Mary? Join us back here. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> After I had talked to you, this morning, you know, and listening to everything, the rest of the show, I think I what popped into my mind is saying, I'm looking for the answer is, what is my purpose in life? And that's, maybe that's one of the biggest questions that I have to answer for myself you know, what is the purpose? What am I doing here? Uh, I think ever since COVID started and everything stopped, my work stopped, and it got to the point like, you know, what is my purpose? My purpose back then was working. But now, mm-hmm. after what, three, three or four years, and... It's like, there's nothing. What is my purpose? I don't know what my purpose is. I have no idea. And that is yeah, what most of us struggle with when we get out of the service. Yeah. Because we have no backup plan. The best way to start figuring out what your purpose is and what you want to do with your life is go back and look at what you wanted to do when you were a kid from the age of about 7 to 12. What is it you wanted to be when you grew up? The reason why we picked that age group is because, one, you start to understand what jobs are. But also, it's before society turned around and told you you couldn't do it. That age group is what your heart's desire is, the path that you need to take, what you should take. And... It may not be the exact same thing, for instance, you know, wanting to be a teacher. There are so many professions around that theme or things to do in that theme to help you follow your purpose. You know, some people wanted to be astronauts. Now, was it the thought of space or was it exploration or is it, you know, go into learning and studying and, you know, this is where we can talk about this coming up on Friday is figuring out your purpose in life. 
And that is the crucial step in the transition process. Yes, sir. Just as a quick cliff note, without going into a lot of depth, for anybody that's looking and trying to find out why the planet will never be the same simply because you showed up, we have another website. It's called BetterWorldChangers.com. BetterWorldChangers.com. If you stroll down to the center of the page, there's something called Seven Mountains of Culture that will explain to you the governmental mountain, the business mountains, the uh, mountain of arts and entertainment, the arts of family, the arts of, of uh, spirituality and religion. There's a there's a kind of like a guideline, and basically all it does is it makes you do a, a self-evaluation. And like, you, like you said, Mary, before I got my high school education, what did I really want to do? What did I really want to be? It hasn't changed, regardless of your age. My grandmama used to say your age has nothing to do with your intelligence level. That just means how long you've been here. So that passion that's hidden is hidden on one of those seven mountains. And you ask yourself that question, what is that one thing that I would do seven days a week that will put a smile? Did y'all hear that word? A smile. Did you hear that word? A smile on my face even if I didn't get paid to do it. Because over I just mentioned the Golden Rule Society, Lynn Kane's laws over there and the way he was raised up from a child is simple. We don't really care whether you graduated from Harvard or Yale or just got out of jail. Everybody has something that they can do in this life that no one no one, matter of fact, in the little south down here, I got a little saying, that ain't nobody can do what you do, like you do, when you do, what you do. So just do what you do. Drive yourself back to asking yourself, what do I like to do? What do I love to do? Because love is that driven force that's hidden behind your purpose. And if you learn how to do it, and it enhances the life of other people, then you ran head-on collision with your purpose because ain't nobody can do what you do like you do when you do what you do. So if you want to find you, look in the mirror, and you'll find that person that you've been looking for all your life. And we are out of time for today, and I can't keep my kids out of my garage any longer. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. And we will talk, Diane, later. Have a good day. Have a good night. See you back here at 8 p.m. Eastern for Majoring in the Minors with Gavin Johns. Bye for now. Thank good day, you. everybody.